0: listening to GP Life Hacks with Dr. David Land. Should we talk about analgesia? This isn't examinable, but nobody actually ever teaches it to you. Yes, please. So we're not talking about surgical patients. We're just talking about patients in general. Yeah. There's a stepwise pathway almost, isn't there, in terms of different levels of analgesia. And as the steps go forward, it's more potent as an analgesic but the downsides the side effects are obviously more severe and you know you have to be more careful what's the safest analgesic and therefore should be your first line paracetamol and I yeah NSAID that's right paracetamol safe as hell unless you really want to do damage and you know purposely chug like several boxes at a time yeah NSAIDs obviously what are the downsides that's, that's right just be very careful with the triple whammy and yeah you know, what you know, what about gi upset yeah nice. that's right yes in pregnant ladies that's right okay if that doesn't work using paracetamol and or NSAIDs what's the next step in the pathway weak opioids yep yeah, such as codeine. yes that's right okay so codeine is generally next step these days it's mainly in the form of panadine fort isn't it yeah sorry panadine or panadine fort Yeah. Which is Panadol plus codeine. What's the downsides of codeine? Constipation. Yes, is one. What's the other one? There's changes in how people metabolize. So some people don't get any pain relief and some people get zonked. Yep, that's another one. Addiction. Yes. And pines. And zonked is the other one. Mm -hmm. Yep. So sedation, constipation and uh, addiction slash tolerance, I sort of put that in the same category, those are the three ones you have to watch about with codeine as opposed to, you're, you're aware of the term simple anal- analgesics, which yeah. encompasses paracetamol and NSAIDs, that's what they're talking about when they call, say simple analgesics. So codeine arguably will have more of an analgesic effect, generally speaking, than the paracetamol and the NSAIDs, mm-hmm. however, you now have to worry about those three... Downsides, which are sedation, constipation, and uh, addiction. Yeah. There's a misconception out there that codeine is not addictive, and that was propagated by the fact you could just buy it off the shelf at a chemist without a doctor's approval. Yeah. We now obviously know quite a bit different, hence they've been taken off the shelves. <laughs> Generally speaking, after the weak or opioid, i.e. codeine, what other options do you have if that's not working? Stronger. That's right. What stronger opioids do you know of? Morphine, yeah. oxycodone, yeah. that's right. What would you start off with? Assuming they're able to tolerate oral, what would you start off with? Five, like the endone. Endone, that's right. Oxycodone. Okay, so in terms of oral opioids, oxycodone is probably the best port of call. Morphine you can give as an oral syrup, but in terms of how long it lasts, 60 it's a tricky one to sort of navigate around. In a practical point of view, it's just way better to just go with oxycodone. You'll see mainly oral morphine syrup used in what type of patients? Palliative Yeah, where you've got not a whole lot of other options. Um, oxycodone. What are the, obviously the benefit as opposed to codeine is it arguably has more of an analgesic effect. What's the downside? Everyone gets trippy. Like the, del- the delusional. Horse. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can you can in the worst instance you can get sort of psych psychiatric, uh, yeah what, what's yeah. that what's that formal term for it Con- cognitive psych psycho anyway doesn't matter no yeah what else everyone gets rash and itchy and- yeah rash and itchy what else And vomiting yeah okay. GI upset as well constipation constipation yeah so what are the common ones so you're correct with all of those what are the more common ones constipation is one drowsiness, drowsiness yes thank you. And the, the extension of that is so respiratory compromise, yep. And as with the codeine, the addiction and the tolerance and all the rest of it. Okay, so those it's pretty much those three again, isn't it? Sedation, constipation and addiction, but in higher levels of mm-hmm. than with the codeine. Okay You guys get That the respiratory Depression Is much more Of a risk With the stronger Opioids yeah. Than with codeine yeah. However The sequelae Is usually They'll get What symptom Before they get Respiratory depression like drowsiness Drowsiness That's right That's right Because I'll get A lot of questions From patients that like, oh, I've broken my arm Nothing else is working So you put me on endone I'm a bit worried That it will affect My breathing though What's your advice To mm-hmm. them Well it's like Well you're still Wide awake Talking to me So it's all good mm-hmm. Isn't it mm-hmm. And hence in the drug chart, you notice that when they yeah, sedation score. score, they go by sedation score as opposed to max dose, correct? Just a quick other note with opioids, other than codeine, so the strong opioids, including endone, what's the number one factor for dosing? Age. Yes, everybody get that? It's Age is the factor, not weight. It's one of the few medications where that's the case. Older people take way longer to metabolize it. Therefore, 2.5 of endone for an 80-year-old would probably actually have the same analgesic therapeutic effect that, you know, 15 would have for me, as an example. Okay. How long does endone last for in your system in terms of the analgesic effect? Yeah, around about four to six hours. That's correct. Okay. If you are not winning... Well, otherwise they can't have orals for whatever reason. But otherwise, if they can't have orals, but you're not winning with the oral endone, what's your next port of call in terms of analgesics? Well, That's right. Already That's already right. Done. So oxycontin is oxycodone MR. Oh, okay. Long-lasting. Not a fun All right. So one is just the short-acting one and one's the long-acting one. Okay. It just so happens they're made by different companies and therefore have different names. As opposed to tramadol, which is all the same dudes and it's tramadol SR or tramadol MR. Okay but we won't talk about tramadol just yet. So Oxycontin, what's the difference between Oxycontin and Targin? Just said the Targin has the Oxycontin plus Naloxone. What's the deal with the Naloxone? Because that's a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? Because is the Naloxone, the antidote to- mm-hmm. But it reduces but it the triple side effect. That's right. Sorry, you got me there. I can't remember the pharmacokinetics about it, but yes, IV Naloxone is the antidote for acute uh, opioid intoxication oh. and drowsiness. But given in the form oral with Targin, it actually doesn't affect the pain effectiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what, I think it's to do with how it binds and stuff because it's an oral medication. So what is the what is the purpose of Naloxone? Why have it there in all? The Reduce constipation. Constipation. That's right. Okay, so does everybody get that? The difference between OxyContin and Targin, which is OxyContin and Naloxone oral, is Naloxone and the Targin, it's an antagonist, isn't it? So it stops peripheral binding of the opioids, in the peripheral nerves, chiefly the GI nerves. Therefore, it reduces the rate of constipation amongst people taking oxycontin. Cool. Is oxycontin just oxycodone? Yes, just long-lasting oxycodone. Okay. So just to recap, oxycodone is a you know oral short-acting opioid. Oxycontin is oxycodone, but the 12-hour formulation. Yeah. And targin is oxycontin plus uh, naloxone which is handy for somebody that has to be on en- opioids for a while to control their pain and they're just gonna get constipated otherwise yeah. okay so it's to the point where I actually don't use the oxycontin anymore really I either go you need just a bit of endone here or there or you need you know lots of endone so let's make life easy and give you a long-lasting formulation and then le- therefore let's give you Targin because then also you won't get constipated okay that makes sense. yeah so let's go back to if oral endone isn't working what else can you use for pain relief analgesia and it doesn't necessarily have to be oral yeah fentanyl subcut yes so intranasal yes i would probably just commit to subcut at that point Uh, except for children that can be quite handy intranasal fentanyl yeah so yes subcut fentanyl is super effective as an analgesic in terms of uh, pain relief effect better than the oxycodone what's the downside though other than it's a subcut injection. But to be honest, if they're in that much pain, they're not going to worry about a subcut injection. Long half-life? Yes, it's the half-life, isn't it? So subcut fentanyl is also advantageous over oral oxycodone because it is quicker to act. The downside is being parenteral; it also leaves your system way quicker. Oh, so it's fast half-life. That's right. So there will be lots of acute pain patients like broken an arm that I'll actually, you know, if I know they're not having theater until like tomorrow or the day after until I can get them out to Adelaide, I'll give them endone because the endone will last for at least four to six hours at a time but I'll also give fentanyl right at the start as well, just to get the pain under control until the endone kicks in. And then hopefully once I get the dose from endone right, then that will see them through. So subcut fentanyl is your next port of call. If the subcut fentanyl is not getting on top of the pain, let's say they've got a bowel obstruction and they don't want them to go to theater just yet. They want to see if they can decompress with a NG tube, but it's getting more and more sore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yes, very good. So subcut morph and then IV morph. IV morph, I absolutely adore. In the acute ED setting? Yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, it's it's good (laughs) (laughs) Take that out of the podcast. (laughs) So it is probably the best analgesic you can give anybody, Mm -hmm. is IV morphine, unless they're allergic to IV morphine, which is probably the worst one you give. Um, IV morphine is the best in terms of analgesic effect. It also works super fast because it's going straight into your... and you can titrate it. You can, like, give a meal here, see how they go, give a meal there, see how they go. So it's really good like that, okay? So you'll see all the time in ED. If you work with me, you'll see me write up morphine, 1 to 10 milligrams titrate. And that just means the nurse is just free to just keep trickling in meals here and there until the pain's under control. Mm-hmm. It obviously has the same downsides that the other parentals do. It works heaps quick and heaps well, but it comes out of your system heaps quick. So therefore... You often, if you can predict they're going to be in pain for the next couple of days at least, get something oral on board since they've got some coverage as well. Okay. And that, in a nutshell, is your pain pathway. Any question about that before we get on the tramadol, and then we'll talk about tramadol? <sighs> Cool, okay, let's talk about tramadol. Tramadol is a bit complex because it's newer and they're actually not 100% sure when it's best to use is to be quite honest. And the reason for that is because number one, it's new. And then also number two, it works on two different pathways. So it does have an opioid agonist effect. So for all intents and purposes, you could consider it a bit of an opioid. And therefore, for that reason, it has all the same potential upsides and downsides as an opioid. So it affects your serotonin receptors for pain relief as well. Therefore, they have found that in some cases it works well when opioids don't, Um, but it's a bit unpredictable as to which of those cases is, or do you commit and just go a stronger opioid? It's it's all a bit vague, and then it gets political, because then if you ask the guys, it's like, oh, it's great for every situation. (laughs) uh because that's what their marketers are paid to do the other potential upside of tramadol is arguably if you have bad constipation or bad sedation with the opioids you could consider using tramadol as an as an alternative because arguably if it's an opioid agonist but not to the extent of the actual opioids maybe you can get away with good analgesia with tramadol but without the side effects so it's a bit of a grey area when to actually use tramadol The other area where the studies show Oh maybe this is a better idea than straight up opioids Is neuropathic pain mm-hmm. Because arguably you're know, affecting the neurotransmitter that is serotonin Maybe that has a better effect with neuropathic pain The thinking is But again it's a grey area They're not quite sure whether it is a thing Whether it's not It's a grey area <laughs> but it's a consideration comes in short and long acting. The other one that's even newer that in sort of that same dual action class is one called Tepentadol. Yes. 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 For all those reasons, for all those reasons, because often as a power care physician is faced with patients with complex pain, because there probably is a neuropathic element because the cancer is literally eating into their nerves. And the more and more opioids you get, the more and more they get side effects. So arguably if you target, use something that targets the neuropathic aspect, Brat, potentially you can get away with the good analgesic effect without the um you know the side effects you have of using a shit ton of opioids hence he he's a guy who loves on fair enough they also call it polexia it also comes in short acting and long acting what's the difference in terms of using tramadol on polexia he asked i'm not sure and probably neither is the rest of the world because it is a new agent and it, again same thing like literally the guys will come over and say just try it for everything like literally it's great for everything and because it's not a, just a total opioid you won't get side effects so it's really hard to figure out um when to use it pentadol has a few upsides versus tramadol in that tramadol has a little bit of renal clearance so yeah ah, um, same sorry renal. yes pentadol doesn't have that and tramadol it's sort of serotonin or adrenaline reuptake to mm-hmm. pentadol doesn't have as much serotonin or metabolism so mm-hmm. you've got less risk of serotonin syndrome there you go more. Okay, very good. Very good. So, yeah, we're getting into the realm of there are other sort of ones we're not quite 100% sure (laughs) what we'll we'll play by ear. Uh, But we're certainly worth thinking about. And, and, you know, I have had personal anecdotal success as well. Because, yes, with legit tissue damage, neuropathic pain, it seems to work well. The other cohort that I'm sort of using in that with reasonable effects is ones with legit reasons for having chronic pain. So those rheumatoid arthritis patients where the inflammation just gets worse and worse over the years, unfortunately, and to the point where, you know, one, they're getting tolerant of the opioids anyway, and two, you wonder whether there's a bit of pain modulation. So literally their pain receptors are changing because they've been in pain for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for whatever reason, the polexia seems to work quite well with them. So I've tried with a couple patients so far, so good. So I guess we'll watch this space. In terms of neuropathic pain, so for example, say you've got a legit guy with really, really, really bad spinal degenerative disease, so essentially OA of the spine, and you can see it on the scans pushing on the spinal cord and they're, you know, or on the nerve roots, and you can see that it's, you know, causing them quite bad sciatica, for example. So legit proven neuropathic pain. But for example, you know, to do a spinal decompression surgery, it's pretty big deal surgery and it's pretty high risk. And if it's somebody who's 80, Mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of other comorbidities because let's face it, who has degenerative disease is fine. It's like old people, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Catch-22, isn't it? So a useful one there is your neuropathic pain modulators and the two key evidence-based ones are what? Pregab. Pregabalin is one, also called Lyrica. What's the other one? That's been since Gap- the dawn of time. Fenton? Oh, sorry. Yes, gabapentin is another one. And Fenton. Fenton. Yes. Okay, so those three are the very well-researched evidence-based neuropathic pain modulators. NDEP is dirt cheap it's been around forever what's the downsides with NDEP or amitriptyline they also call it um anticholinergic yeah exactly it's a, it's a tricyclic isn't it so you get all your anticholinergic stuff dry mouth urinary retention glaucoma blah 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 but you know generally speaking I have a lot of patients in NDEP dep and it works really well the other key one is sedation it's yeah. quite a reasonable sedative. But, you know, you just tell them, like, yeah. take it at night and they almost find it a bonus because and at least they can sleep. Then. sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it ends up being less doses of n depth that you need for an analgesic effect, neuropathic analgesic effect, than for an antidepressant effect. Yeah. So, actually, the side effects, uh, yeah, it's it's a low yield for the side effects because you're using lower doses anyway. So, end up very good. Lyrica's is the other one. Lyrica has only been fashionable in probably the last, you know, five years. To eight years, and that's because it's recently in that time become part of the PBS. So, Medicare now pays for it for neuropathic pain. Before that, Medicare didn't pay for it, it was like freaking like a hundred bucks or something like that. Weaning the patients off pregamolins, yes. So, that's the and that's a tough one because before we thought that Lyrica wasn't addictive, and certainly it's certainly not addictive like the opioids are addictive. So, it's a good alternative for somebody who needs chronic pain relief for established neuropathic pain as opposed to just having opioids all the time. They now are not so sure because there's now an increasing black market, street market for Lyrica. Yeah. And the question is why? And we're not understand sure. So now we wonder whether, oh, are they addictive? What is the long-term profile? But it's hard because it's only more of a recent one. So it's hard. So I guess we'll watch that space. Okay. But by and large, you can consider them way less addictive than your endone or your heavy opioids. Gabapentin is also an evidence-based uh, treatment for neuropathic pain, but I don't think it is on the PBS. So it's not very commonly used because that costs an arm and a leg. Final practice point, because you'll see a lot of inappropriate panadine and, you know, codeine and opioid abuse. And a lot of it is just sheer awkward social pressure. So the patients come in and they're like, what the f***, do you even have a medical degree? That doc, all the other doctors here give me my opioids, What the f*** is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I will say safety first. If you ever at all threaten verbally, just give it to them. Just give it to them, let them walk out, and then call the cops or ban them from the pranks or whatever you want to do. Don't ever put yourself in harm's way just for a fing script. Does that clear it up in your head? You've been listening to GP Life Hacks with Dr. David Lamb. Music by Nathan Huayi. to say she still is mine.